This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the new relaunched Challenging Opinions podcast. Every Monday, I'll be bringing you brand new content, but as part of the relaunch, I'm including previous interviews in this feed, like this one with Eric Schansberg. He's an author, a professor of economics, and a former libertarian candidate for US Congress. I hope you enjoy it. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Make your view heard and get it included in the next show. Email your opinion to podcast at challengingopinions.com and we can discuss it in the next podcast. And I'm joined on the line by Eric Schansberg. He is the professor of economics at Indiana University Southeast. He's also the author of uh, three books, one on the book of Joshua and uh, a couple on public policy, including one on Christian public policy. Eric, I know that you're a libertarian. How does libertarian public policy and Christianity mix? Well, I think the first thing to say is that you know, whatever our political beliefs, they come from a, uh, a mishmash of uh, our understanding of ethics and our understanding of how the world actually works. And so as a Christian, um, I, I seek to, to try and under, understand everything through that lens. And then as an economist, hopefully I have a, a good understanding of how the world works, uh, particularly with respect to economic policy. And so as a um, libertarians would say that, you know, people should be free to do what they want as long as, as long as they don't do direct and significant harm to others. Uh, or another way of saying that is the government should be limited to dealing with those occasions when, uh, people are, are messing with other people in a direct and significant way. And that turns out to line up really nicely with the scriptures, uh, of Christianity that when you look at the character of God, you look at the ministry of Jesus, that, um, you know, they were certainly concerned with what people did, uh, with, with their lives, uh, but the interference with those things came when they were messing with other people. And so you see Jesus, for example, getting angry when God's name is being hurt by religious people, uh, and also when the rights of other people are being harmed. And that's consistent with the character of God as well. And so, that ends up being remarkably consistent with Christianity or with uh, libertarian thought uh, as well, that the chief concern of uh, government and public policy would be to uh, prevent people from doing direct and significant harm to other people. Um, I'm sure that you know an awful lot more about Christianity than I do, but one quotation of Jesus that I do know from the Bible was, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. In other words, it seemed to be saying that Christianity, as understood by Jesus, had little to say about government, that it was uh, essentially a separate branch of society, and he wasn't keen on the two mingling. Is that consistent with what you're saying? I think it's consistent in that certainly politics is not going to be a primary 
um, in most cases, is not going to be a primary focus for a Christian. That the uh, his kingdom was not of this world, and those sorts of things. And so, mm-hmm. politics may have its place, and using government as a means to an end may be um, helpful at times. But the two approaches to government, I think, typically are just to ignore it uh, and to ignore the many um, unjust things that it does to other people, and that's problematic. And then the other uh, extreme would be to try and use government way too often to to achieve uh, biblical or godly goals. And so in the book, I talk about, you know, for really, for any person, that when if I'm going to bring government into something as a means to an end, it has to pass an ethical test, and it has to pass a practical test. So the ethical test is, is, is government an ethical means to an end? Is it okay to use the force of government against other people to redistribute income or make them pay higher prices for sweaters or to make it difficult for them to enter an occupation or for them to gamble or smoke marijuana or whatever? So there's an ethical question there. Is it okay to use the force of government there as an ethical question? And the second one is, is always practical, that even if it's ethical, if bringing government into something is not going to make things better, um, even if it's ethical, then it's not practically going to be worth it. And so a Christian would say, you know, their ethics presumably come from the scriptures, uh, but, uh, you know, again, they have to make the case biblically that government is the best way to do that. And to your point about rendering under Caesar, it's it's not uh, that often the case that government is going to be an ethical and a practical means to those ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, given how different the times that we live in are and the um, level of uh, technology and the level of impact that a decision made on one side of the world can have in a land thousands of miles away, is anything said in the Bible relevant uh, to those sort of decisions? Well, I think so, because, um, you know, again, this can be broadened beyond uh, biblical Christianity, for one thing, that everyone has to bring, everyone has to make decisions about ethics. And so the ethics of the Bible with respect to government are actually not not all that exciting. Uh, they're, they're about what you would expect, that people are free to do what they want as long as they don't do direct and significant harm to other people. And so even if one does not ground their ethics in the scriptures, uh, it's it's not uh, uncommon to reach the same sort of ethical conclusions that people ought to be free to do what they want as long as they're not doing you know the direct and significant harm to other people. People who strongly identify as Christian in the United States much more often politically identify with the Republican Party. They tend to have quite strong views on how. Uh, particularly sexual morality, should be um, approached by the government. Do you find yourself out of step with other Christians in the sense that um, I'm guessing you're not, uh, that as a libertarian, you don't believe that um, the government has any role in uh, enforcing sexual morality on people? Right. Uh, you know, really, I'm out of step with a lot of people. You know, it's not just a Christian thing, but people just don't pay much attention to government, and, and in a sense, we're fortunate to live in a country where people don't need to pay much attention to what government does. It largely does its own thing, and it creates problems here and there. But people just don't spend time putting together a coherent political philosophy and a consistent set of uh, political policies, uh, public policies that make sense. And so, you find that people, secular or Christian, rarely have a, a, 
any kind of coherent sense of what public policy would look like. But well, well, you're if right. You, if, I mean, you were to, if you were to give an example of somebody who's at least coherent, whether you agree with him or not, Rick Santorum is, you know, one of the most overtly uh, Christian uh, presidential candidates at the moment. How long he lasts, I don't know. But he uh, has a, you know, a very strong um, platform that would include, for example, restricting the right to divorce. He, he doesn't agree that even contraception should be available to people. How, as a Christian, do you say to him, as a Christian, that's the wrong way to go about it? Yes. You know, I've, he's on the uh, what's called the religious right here in America, and there are those on the religious left in America, and they, they want to use government to redistribute income. And mm-hmm. so they are fond of uh, single-payer health care and income redistribution. And so on the religious left, I have problems with them as well. But on the religious right, people like Santorum, uh, again, I would bring him back to questions like, well, where, how is that consistent with the ministry of Jesus uh, to, to do that? And if we're going to tell uh, some people how to live, are, are we okay if they get control of government and tell us how we can live uh, in these circumstances? And so uh, it doesn't make sense um, biblically or looking at the ministry of Jesus or looking at the free will that God gave uh, gave us to make decisions to use government to uh, restrict people in the way that Santorum uh, advocates. Well, and to to go for a, a very different issue, for example, um, we've recently had the uh, climate change talks and agreement in Paris that, whatever your view of the issue, addresses something whereby you have um, what's called in economics the tragedy of the commons, whereby each individual action has little effect but the sum of those actions have a great effect and and people who disagree with libertarianism would say sometimes a, a very strong regulation of that is needed because of how distributed both the cause and the effects are how do you feel on that well libertarians would actually agree if you start with a much easier example let's say that you operate a uh, a factory and you produce a lot of pollution uh, in a local setting uh, because there are not property rights to uh, to be enforced, no one owns the air and the water, and so then you have the tragedy of the commons, uh, there's a role of government there to protect uh, the environment from precisely those sorts of things. So one can easily make an ethical case for there to be a role for government, and a libertarian, most libertarians would agree with that, uh, economists certainly would as well. You then get to the practical issue, though, okay, well, how is that going to work? We're going to actually use public policy to regulate you in a way that's actually helpful to the environment and the economy. And that, that can be difficult, but it can also be done pretty well. When you go to climate change, you know, then the problem gets a lot hairier because uh, it's not just a local factory. It's, you know, it's every country in the world. Uh, so then you've got the the question of, you know, the extent to which there's global warming or climate change. You have the extent to which it's anthropogenic. Uh, uh, you have the extent to which uh, there are benefits and costs. Um, and then you have the extent to which public policy can actually practically address those issues. And, you know, again, looking at the the way you have to work through these issues, all of those questions have to be dealt with uh, reasonably well before you would advocate public policy. Sure. And how would you approach areas where it's possible to do it through private initiative and through essentially, 
each citizen being autonomous. But the experience around the world, for example, in healthcare, is that single payer providers just provide much better bang for your buck, that the United States has possibly the most expensive healthcare in the world. It's pretty good for those who have it, but the value for money is very poor. Yes. Well, that's it, a very long story to get into, but you know, a lot of people perceive the American system to be free market, and it's anything but that. So there's extensive regulation and subsidy, and you know, there's uh, insurance here covers everything from allergy shots to cancer. And so, if you think about what your auto insurance would look like if if it covered everything, it would cover oil changes and dings uh, in in, your, in the body of your car and rips in your upholstery and that ex- that insurance would be very expensive and it would cause all sorts of trouble um, so in America the government has uh, strongly distorted the insurance market and that ends up uh, it's a long story but that ends up distorting the entire market so uh, single payer might be better than the government system we have here but it's nothing like a free market system at all do you have an example of a system that you think works well I think uh I think it's Singapore. There's one of the Asian tigers that has a relatively free market approach to things. And I don't think you'd ever have a fully free market uh, system. You you know, you still would have care for the indigent and those sorts of things, but the the primary problem uh, in America at least is that health insurance has been distorted so that everything is covered, not just um the catastrophic things that insurance typically covers. And so insurance is very expensive. Uh, the cost of all these services gets bid up because I'm not paying for my health care. Somebody else is. So uh, there's a, a continuous war between insurance companies and providers and customers because no one wants to pay. Uh, very reasonably, no one wants to pay for all of these things. Uh, so the role of insurance should be much, much lighter, as you find in, in other markets that where insurance is in play. But in the American context, insurance is a part of everyday life in healthcare, and that has to distort those markets. And just on the broader sense, the uh, you mentioned the religious right, the religious left, and, and perhaps you are the religious libertarian. If you look at the way in the Bible that Jesus is said to have lived communally with uh, with with apostles, which political philosophy do you think that example aligns best with? The living part? Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, you know, they lived in a sense, uh, and this this mistake is made, but uh, a lot of times to extend it from a kind of a communi- communitarian uh, local version of socialism, uh, people will look at that and assume, well, you know, I guess we socialism was okay, or that Jesus and the early church uh, actually advocated socialism, but um, they had all their goods in common, they lived in a very communal way, but that's nothing like a you know a national uh, socialism with coercion and 300 million people right so uh, but they you know if you look at their communal living they they were very strong on that um, Jesus um, you know spent time with the crowds and spent time with individuals but he spent the the bulk of his ministry pouring his life into 12 people uh, the disciples and the the church is here today because of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and God's, uh, God's movement on this earth and the ministry of Jesus, but also because he, Jesus poured his life into those 12 and everything grew from that. And so that models for us that, uh, we're to be living in the same sort of communal, intentional, uh, disciple making, you know, pouring our lives into other people. 
Eric Shansberg, Professor of Economics at Indiana University Southeast, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks for your time. If you like the Challenging Opinions podcast, please rate and review the show on iTunes and other podcast providers. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Tell your friends. But most important, make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com. I have links in the show notes for Eric's blog and references to lots of the things we were talking about. Do you know somebody who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. If you like the podcast, there is one thing that you can do that would really help other people to find it. Go on iTunes and give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Challenging O. You can also follow Eric Shansberg at Eric Shansberg. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you're an Apple person or Google Play Music if you're on Android. There's links for both of those and the RSS feed is there too if you're old school. You can find them or get in touch with me at www challengingopinions.com On the next podcast I'll have the prominent alt-right blogger Vox Day The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me William Campbell Thank you for listening Thank you for listening